1: More info now.
2: It's 1965, Helsinki, Finland. It's the World Congress for Peace, National Independence, and General Disarmament. 1,500 people from 98 countries, politicians, writers, and artists, all converged in one giant hall for six days with the goal of furthering peace in the nuclear age. Or at least, that was the stated goal. The CIA would beg to differ on what the real goal was. My dad is here with a delegation from Argentina. He meets and befriends Chilean poet Pablo Neruda, who, as you learned in the last episode, would later help get Papa released from Argentinian prison. This is where Papa met the cosmonaut Tereshkova as well. He feels a sense of belonging here. He's found his people. It's intense but productive. Representatives from capitalist countries and socialist ones are all working together. Then, on the last day, the Chinese delegation throws a wrench into the works. They claim that any discussion of world peace is not warranted as long as, quote, the world revolution, end quote, has not triumphed. They want communism to prevail at all costs the room grows tense. Papa thinks this can't happen now. It can't just all fall apart here. He springs into action, walks to the front of the hall, grabs hands with a couple of delegates, and begins to sing. works. The tension is released. The spirit of cooperation is back in the air. Even though the Chinese refused to join in, it was a moment of triumph. But something else happened in that moment that would be more important, more pivotal for Papa's future. In the crowd was a man named Boris Nikolai Pastakov. He saw something in Papa he saw how a charismatic American with Elvis good looks and socialist politics could warm a hostile crowd. Pastakov was the head of the Soviet Youth Organization. And the Soviet youth, well, they liked Western culture and they were disgruntled too. Maybe a man like Dean Reed is exactly what the Soviets needed. Pastakov invited Papa on in a train bound for Moscow. I'm Ramona Reed, and this is Red Elvis.
3: I used to think that peace and love were just the same. Then I learned that life is not only a game. Each man must fight and fight a game. But never, never, never let your life just flow away. Let your life have value uh, every day.
2: Episode 4, We Are the Revolutionaries. Before Italy, before the trouble started in their marriage, my mom and papa went on a formative trip to Russia. From Moscow, my mom wrote a letter home.
4: Dearest mom, grandmom, and family, here we are in Russia, and how exciting. This is our second week— Dean has been in concerts for the last three nights. His first concert became an overnight success. The audience, packed full, 1,200 seats, all tickets sold out completely, went wild over his two-hour program. He has an 18-piece orchestra behind him. He sings rock and roll, ballads, folk songs, and his songs, and a Harry Belafonte song where he speaks in Russian to the audience, trying to get them to sing with him. After his last song, the audience wouldn't let him off the stage, so he sang three extra songs, and then about six curtain calls till he called it a night. When we went to the dressing room, floods of government officials greeted us and shook hands with Dino, saying that they had never seen such a performance in Moscow The people who hired Dino are so excited and have extended our contracts for more concerts, so we will be here all together two months. We leave for Leningrad on Sunday night. Huge
5: crowds followed wherever he went. He had sold out tours all over the USSR, and that's why they called him the Red Elvis. In the USSR, he was bigger than Elvis. I mean, that's extraordinary. That's a crazy story.
4: I need police escort to be able to walk in the streets in Moscow. Uh, after the concerts, uh, I need
3: a hundred police so I can get to my
4: car. I've learned so much from you,
3: you the Soviet people. I love you very, very, very much. And you have much happiness and peace in your lives.
2: Lana Davis's mother went to one of his concerts during this tour.
6: Russian culture was very restricted at the time. And the uh, singers would come out to the stage and they would be wearing a suit and they would be singing like this and they would barely move. And Dean was not like that. He would jump off the stage, he would walk along the aisles. For us, it was not just a breath of fresh air. For us, it was the biggest revelation after Bible. (laughs) Dean's performance changed my mother's life forever. It changed her views, it changed her attitude to life, and it changed the way she was looking at things. It could be that this really restricted girl of the Second World War opened up because she saw his performance, because he influenced her in such an amazing way.
2: Papa's fame across the Soviet Union extended to East Berlin, the communist side of the German city that had been split by a giant wall.
7: When Dean Reed came to uh, first to East Berlin, I was asked to show him around. Victor
2: Grossman got to know Papa in 1971 while he was there for a film festival.
7: My first impression of Dean was amazement. I was used to left-wing people visiting from the United States and other places, and when they sent me this left-wing singer, I didn't expect this very beautiful-looking, handsome, muscular cowboy from Colorado. He didn't fit into any, any idea of what I expected from a left-wing singer at, at the time with those folk singers. I interpreted him for his first concerts, and that simply stayed that way, that I was his interpreter. We became friends, and I understood his American, and he understood me, so that we got along very well together. I recall this concert in Potsdam, where we were behind the stage, and about 100 women came mobbing. And I I got scared almost. I said, Dean, here's a door. We can get out here. And he said, no, no, no. An artist is obliged to meet the wishes of his concertgoers and his fans. So he stayed and he wrote, I think he wrote, Peace, uh, Frieden, Peace, Dean Reed.
2: More than just Berlin, the whole country of Germany was divided. East communist, West capitalist.
7: I think lots of people in the West, and especially in the United States didn't understand the situation in Germany that it was split down, not the middle, with only about one third in the East and the rest in the West. The West was subsidized by the Marshall Plan and was built up to be full of consumer goods, most modern. The East had to pull itself up by its own bootstraps, pay the war reparations alone almost, and with almost no major industry, and it had a rough time. And the West was luring the best people, the best trained people, the doctors, the engineers. They were luring them away until finally it was so dangerous that they set up this wall, which became the dividing line in the whole world between East and West. And it was a move of desperation by the East to save themselves from going down the drain.
2: And all of this splitting started after Hitler. But during the war, it had been a different story.
7: I grew up mostly in New York and New Jersey at the end of the 1930s when the whole atmosphere was very leftist. And then when I went to college, to Harvard, I was recruited as a communist and became a communist. In those days, Soviets were still the great allies of the United States in fighting Hitler. The communists had been the most active in fighting racism and for women's rights and so forth. This attracted me and then I got drafted by then McCarthy era started, and you had to write down any left-wing organizations you had been in, which almost immediately made you a criminal, So I was scared.
2: The Cold War was heating up, and communism became the new boogeyman in America. U.S. Senator Joseph McCarthy led the charge.:
3: I intend to give the American people uh, the cold documented picture. Of the extent to which communism has been directing our foreign policy. And I don't intend to ever avoid giving the names of traitors, giving the names of communists, when I discover them in an important position.
2: Meanwhile, Victor was stationed in part of West Germany.
7: I was a soldier in Bavaria, and I suddenly got this letter from Washington saying, You were a member of six, seven different organizations, report to a military judge. And I said, "Uh uh-oh, the jig's up with me. I have to get out of here.
2: Victor fled West Germany for the East and stayed there for the next few decades as the wall went up and the tensions grew hotter. He met others who left the United States as well.
7: We were a group in East Berlin of Americans, ah, maybe a dozen or so. A number came, like me, as refugees from the McCarthy era in the United States, which I had to run away from. Other Americans came for various reasons, but there were never many of us. Uh, we were always kind of exotic. And Dean, of course, was the most exotic of all. In
2: 1973, Papa brought me to East Berlin for a performance at the World Festival of Youth and Students.
3: But I did bring my little daughter from Italy, who is five years old, and her friend, And I want you all to help me sing this song with me, please.
2: I didn't remember much about the festival until someone found this footage of me and Papa singing. It's the only time I've ever seen us together on film, and I love it.
3: She was born in Italy
5: and only speaks Italian.
2: Here's Papa talking about me on East German television.
5: She had learned one thing in English to tell
0: me. And
2: she said, Papa, (laughs) she says,
3: I love you. God damn it!
2: (laughs) On that trip, I also met my papa's new wife, Vipka. They'd been together for a couple years. She was a big reason papa stayed in East Berlin. That, and it was a chance to live his beliefs, a chance to experience socialism in practice, He had moved there full-time in 72.
5: I mean, Germany of 1972 was in chaos. And it was probably the year in which represented, in a certain sense, the moral apex of East Germany.
2: Cold War historian Justin Jamboll.
5: They were opposed to American invention in Vietnam. They were supportive of Cuba, of revolutions in Angola and Mozambique. And this would have appealed to Dean Reed. Berlin was the ultimate symbol of the Cold War. With the Berlin Wall that divided East and West, the American-backed allies, and the Soviet-backed East Germany, the lines were drawn. And by Dean Reed moving to East Berlin, He was voting with his feet.
8: by NCUA. December 13th, 1972, Moscow. Dear Patricia, today it is 28 degrees below zero. It does freeze one's face when one only walks a few blocks. I imagine California must be about 50 above. I imagine that by now you must be getting used to USA again. It's large cars, large highways, large houses and a large legacy of international crime.
2: My dad could travel pretty easily behind the Iron Curtain. He sent me postcards from Prague, Budapest, Azerbaijan, and he sent me small gifts when he could.
8: Here are a few gifts that were given to me by people throughout the world. I thought maybe you might like to begin a collection of medals. We are working very hard. I'm giving a 38 concert tour and Vibka is getting ready to have the baby. Here in socialism, we have five-year plans. So I'm already planning for 1977. In the summer of 1977, you must come and spend the summer with us, okay?
2: Back in California, Mom was writing, trying to get some screenplays off the ground. She took a part-time job as a travel agent and, of course, was taking care of me. My mom and I lived in Palm Desert at a house we called Casa de Ramona.
8: 3rd of January, 1975, Berlin. Dear Patricia and Ramona, I am so excited about your new life, ranch, and horse. When I come in April, I will have to seriously make Ramona into a cowgirl.
2: Papa was very productive behind the Iron Curtain. Five films in five years. In East Germany, the state-owned film studio called DIFA started financing and producing my father's movies. It was a mutually beneficial relationship. My father was given a platform for his politics, and those politics often lined up with the goals of the communist state. The collaboration would last the rest of his career. His first big hit for them was called Blood
3: Brothers. I dreamt of love and peace With the cries of pain
2: My father introduces
4: the film with an explanation.
8: This film took place hundred years ago in America, but it could be today in East Germany, in Argentina, in Chile, or in another country.
2: Mark Valley is the voice of Papa here and throughout this podcast. As an actor, Mark lived and worked in Berlin in the 80s and the 90s. He studied Papa's film career, especially Blood Brothers.
8: Dean was a co-writer. He fashioned his character um, more or less on who he aspired to be. In in this movie, he plays a young cavalry soldier who witnesses a horrible atrocity and sides with the Indians. The atrocity is based on a real event, 1864, the Sand Creek Massacre, which occurred in uh, Colorado, which is Dean's home state.
2: There's a moment in the film where Papa snaps the pole holding the American flag. He does this because he's disgusted by what the white American soldiers have done to the Native Americans.
8: When Dean snaps the American flag, we can look at it and say, oh, he was you know, he was doing this for the East Germans, he was doing this for the audience, he was with them. In some ways, you could say this is also an advertisement for the First Amendment. People in East Germany are saying, wow, and Americans can snap their own flag and get away with it? and um, they wouldn't be able to do that, I don't think, in the DDR.
5: It's the hottest film in East Germany. It's the number one film for that year in 1975. And it shot Dean into the realm of superstardom. He was already famous, but now with a film that was bankrolled by the East German film industry, he was given this huge platform in order to represent Dean Reed's own interpretation of the good American cowboy.
8: Dear Patricia, my film Blood Brothers was voted best film of the year. How about them cookies? Got your letter today, which was like a slug on my chin. I cannot believe that Ramona got no cards and package. I sent her exactly four birthday letters in one package with some small presents, and the letters were sent more than a month ago. Shit. It's hell trying to be half of a father from another world. My situation is very bad. I have, of course, no way to make Western money, but I shall always meet the payments one way or the other, so don't worry. I still have nightmares every night about Chile. Bastards keep on executing and torturing.
5: So after Dean Reed helps his ally and friend, the leftist leader, Salvador Allende, win the Chilean election, only a couple years later, General Pinochet, in a US-backed CIA-led coup, topples Salvador Allende's government. And Salvador Allende kills himself. And this is the end of Dean Reed's dream for a Chilean government that has a leftist government in
2: place. From East Berlin, Papa mourned Allende's death. A couple weeks later, his friend Pablo Neruda died as well. The coup had been violent and bloody. Another friend of Papa's, Chilean folk singer, Victor Hara, was tortured, then murdered, his body thrown in the streets. I can only imagine how painful this was for Papa to hear about. He later told me that he had lost all his friends in South America. But he's not one to wallow. He used that sadness and anger as fuel.
8: I'm finishing the script for my next film, which begins in October. It is about my Chilean singer friend, Victor Jara, who was killed by the fascist in Chile. I shall also play the main role and direct the film. Wish me good luck.
2: Papa traveled back to the U.S. to promote his film El Cantor. He stopped by California took me to the beach. Papa did some business in L.A., met with Dick Clark in hopes of getting another spot on American bandstand. He visited his mom, visited his mentor Peyton Price, and went fishing with his dad. Then it was off to screen his film. In
9: 1978, he came back to Minnesota to show his film El Cantor at the University of Minnesota. El Cantor was about his good friend. Victor Hara being assassinated during the, um, the coup, the Allende coup.
2: But the film wasn't what made headlines. It was Papa's reaction to a local struggle. A utility company with government support was trying to build power lines on native land
9: planning on putting power lines through the lands of Native Americans and the farmers, and he decided to join in on the protest, which was the kind of thing he would do. And I think it was an opportunity to help the Native Americans and help the little guy, the farmers, and uh, he joined and was arrested and put in jail.
2: I found a clip
9: from Twin Cities
2: Public Television. Papa's getting arrested. Andy's singing. And instead of paying a $300 fine to get out, he will—he thought he could have more influence inside the jail. You see a pattern here?
5: There are telegraphs sent um, from the former East Bloc. He has legions and legions of fans that are riding to this Minnesota prison to let this guy go. And it becomes an international incident.
6: When I was living in Moscow, I was going through a stack of newspapers and I found an article about this man who went to jail for the rights of the people he didn't even know. Life around me at the time in the Soviet Union was very dull and everybody was pursuing their own little interests. There were very few people who cared to look at others, who cared to care about others. And suddenly, I find this foreigner who was putting his life on the line for all the things that really weren't his.
2: Papa sat in jail. And just like Argentina, he felt it was time for a hunger strike. Pete Seeger and Joan Pias petitioned President Carter on Papa's behalf. Here's my cousin Jim.
9: After the 11 days of hunger strike, they actually went before a judge and jury. There was seven hours of deliberation, and at the end of it, they—all the protesters were, of course, released.
7: Dean Reed, 11 days hunger strike. How are you feeling?
3: Dean Reed, 11 days hunger strike. How are you feeling?
4: I have to say that I'm a bit weak
8: to the U.S. monopolies. We will not allow any more that our human rights are thrown under the feet of these big concerns.
2: Papa helped bring this struggle to a wider audience. But ultimately, the power lines were built anyway. I'm sure he'd say it was worth it, but it was not without costs.
5: So in the redacted FBI file, it says, reporting on his arrest— the arrest has prompted a growing well-organized reaction in support of Reid, including messages to the president from the German youth organization demanding his release. The media have publicized the solidarity as a genuine spontaneous outpouring of sympathy for Reid for the entire Republic. This represents a small chunk of the FBI files uh, about Dean Reed, And I think in some ways it suggests Dean's
7: power. I, Ronald Reagan, do solemnly swear... I, Ronald Reagan, do solemnly swear... ...that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States.
2: Back in Berlin, Papa faced the increased East-West tensions that came with Reagan's presidency.
7: We are witnessing today a great revolutionary crisis. A crisis where the demands of the economic order are conflicting directly with those of the political order. But the crisis is happening not in the free, non-Marxist West, but in the home of Marxist Leninism, the Soviet Union. And we know that there are even those who strive and suffer for freedom within the confines of the Soviet Union itself. The thing
5: with the Iron Curtain is that it's pretty good at separating people and preventing people from crossing from one side to the other. But what you can't stop is the airwaves and music, radio stations. And that meant that those in the East were aware of the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. It was a real threat to the Soviet political line. And the Soviets found in Dean Reed a kind of a golden hen. He was safe, he was politically aligned and he could espouse the things and confirm the things that the Soviet government had been saying all along. And that was a very, very powerful weapon in the arsenal of the Soviet Union.
3: To me, it's not a business. To me, it's a cause. And I use my
5: guitar as a rifle, I hope.
9: I think Dean enjoyed uh, the benefits of the the Soviets needing uh, a Western rock star.
2: Papa's friend, Neil Jacobs.
9: It was very advantageous for them to find somebody like Dean who could be a socialist and a rock star and look very American. I think he probably knew to some degree that, that he was being used, but maybe in his mind the ends justified the means. He says that the Soviet system was not the, the kind of socialism that he wanted. Every country had to determine their own socialism.
6: Dean wrote a song that was called We Are the
9: Revolutionaries.
3: We are revolutionaries. And-
6: That song was the punch in the face of what he saw as imperialists and the people who held back the rest of the people from equality. That song was very well accepted in Russia. That song was played on tape recorders across the whole Soviet Union.
3: We will from the someday And as all the people know Victory will come our way Oh,
6: the is and it was one of the most beautiful songs I think he's ever written.
9: In particular, We Are the Revolutionaries was one of his more successful protest songs. And eventually, I think it would come back to haunt him. Once people in the United States heard this, really, he was going to have a hard time coming back to America, I would suspect
2: on the next episode of Red of
5: When you're somebody of Dean Reed's celebrity and status in the East, you are going to be approached by the secret police. And Dean Reed was, by the Stasi.
6: There are people injected in his surroundings that are informants for the Stasi and deliver information on where he's going, what he's doing. The Eastern Bloc was changing. It felt like after 70 years of life, The old man, communism, was basically taking its last breath.
5: I think every
8: person who lives in exile in a foreign country gets homesick. I would love to speak my language again. Yes, I really miss my people.
3: Red Elvis is a co-production of iHeart Podcasts and School of Humans based on the Curiosity Stream documentary, Red Elvis, the Cold War Cowboy, directed by Thomas Ladder and produced by Talos Films. Check out the doc at curiositystream.com to learn more about Dean and Ramona and to watch his performances from all over the world. This show is hosted, co-written, and executive produced by Ramona Reed. Jason English, Virginia Prescott, Brandon Barr, and L.C. Crowley are executive producers. Ryan Murdoch is the co-writer and senior producer. Jessica Metzger is the senior producer. Jeremy Thaw, that's me, is our editor. Fact checking by Savannah Hughley and Adam Bisno. This episode was mixed and mastered by Zubin Hensler. Thomas Ladder is consulting producer. Dean Reed is voiced by Mark Valley. Patty Reed is voiced by Nicole Britton. Casting support services provided by Breakdown Services. Additional voices provided by Fabian Verfel. Music licensing by John Duongo for Trektor Entertainment. Additional music by Zubin Hensler, Jeremy Thal, and Ross Bellinois. Narration recorded at JTB Studios, Los Angeles. Special thanks to John Higgins with Curiosity Stream. If you're enjoying the show, leave a review in your favorite podcast app. Check out the Curiosity Audio Network for podcasts covering history, pop culture, true crime, and more.
2: at a house we called Casa de (laughs) Romona. I wanted to roll my R's. It didn't work.
9: (gasps) (laughs) Romona.
0: School of Humans